a message for liberals and the mainstream media. You can't handle the truth! So, buckle up, snowflakes, because we're about to deliver the politically direct best in conservative commentary, news, and investigative reports. We're telling the truth, and we're not gonna stop. Okay, liberals, back under the bridge with the rest of your fellow trolls, and oh yeah... Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots. They are special, special people. On RSPRadio1.com. Welcome to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot. Diane Sorry at the... <coughs> excuse me, I get all choked up. At the Patriot Factor. It's Tuesday night, the 12th of the 12th month. Welcome to it. Hello, Diane. Hello, Craig. And how are you today? I'm good. I'm, oh, I, I'm in a good mood because it looks like after a dismal year for Nebraska football, we might be getting two top-ranked quarterbacks coming here. What we do, who cares? It's, well, I'll tell you what. Nebraska Cornhusker fans care, and there's a lot of Husker fans. Okay. In the scope of the uh, world situation, in the scope of things, who really cares about college football? I, I do, because every once in a while, you need a distraction. That actually is true. You know, I mean... It, I mean, it gets to be a grind. That's true. I mean, my distraction is HGTV. Yeah, well. <laughs> or Star Trek. Yeah, and I'm, I'm into the old Westerns and, you know, the old Western TV shows, the old Western movies, you know, stuff like that. And there's a couple of great stations that have that all the time, and I love that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, uh, it, it is what it is. Um Little housekeeping for you. We're approaching Christmas, and that means we're approaching our Christmas break. Um, We've got tonight's show. We've got Friday night's show and the show next Tuesday, and then we go on our Christmas hiatus. Right, until January 5th. Right. I'll be out of town, and I'm not even taking the computer with me. Well, you know, that that may be a good thing. It may not, because if the world ends, A, you won't know in advance, and B, we won't be able to broadcast the end of the world. Uh, well, remember, I can carry the radio station on my phone. Well, I might not be taking the computer, but I absolutely will take the phone. Yeah, I mean, I guess we can Skype connect you by yes. phone. Yes. You know, um, but if the end of the world happens exactly where you are, your cell service will be down. Uh, no, because I have other means of getting on. Okay. You forget, 
you use your phone to make phone calls. It's because it's a phone. Okay. I can <laughs> actually do everything I have to do via the phone. I can carry the radio station. I can do articles. I could do my connections overseas. I could do everything on my phone. Well, I could do everything on my phone. I choose not to because it's a phone. <laughs> Mine serves a dual purpose. You know, and years, you know what? I could always take my iPad with me as a backup. Years and years ago, I I had a cell phone. And I wouldn't give anybody the number. I remember that. Yeah, and and one of the guys, uh, he was actually the uh, operations manager at the radio stations where I worked at the time. He said, well, he wanted my number for something. And I said, no. And he said, why not? And I said, I don't give anybody my number. He said, well, why not? I said, because if I give people my number, including you, people will call me. And I don't Mm -hmm. want to talk to people. Well, the difference is you don't like people. I like people. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's part of it. Folks, here's what we got on the show tonight. Diane, you're covering, and yet they still march. Yes. Okay, I'm covering 2024, a cluster you-know-what in the making. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, And it really is. It's a perfect title. It, It is. Uh, before we get to any of that, though, there's a couple of things we need to spend some time with uh, mm-hmm. this evening. Let's start with the Supreme Court. Uh, the Supreme Court uh, has expedited Jack Smith's petition where Trump and the whole thing down in Florida is concerned with um, – is it Florida or is it with – no, it's it's with Georgia, it's with Georgia, but it, it kind of is all-encompassing yeah. because the main thing Trump is bringing into it is that he has presidential immunity. However, I did some research on that, immunity as per the Constitution and, and the law and all that. Yes, he would have immunity if he was president, but he's no longer president. Well, So my Gut instinct tells me the Supreme Court's going to rule against him. You know, they, they very well could, but the the fly in that particular ointment is what he's, you know, whatever it is that he's accused of happened while he was the president. You know, that's so tr- that's true. You know, it's hard, it's going to be hard to figure out exactly where the Supreme Court is going to fall on this. And it would not surprise me if they come back split right down party lines. Yeah, because remember, somebody is elected president on election day, but they do not assume the presidency until they're actually physically sworn in. So that is a gray area. Yeah, and, and this is one of those weird things that, uh, the Supreme Court has never really weighed in on uh, in right. the past, so it's going to break new ground. And uh, by expediting this, they have taken it away from the appellate court and straight to the Supreme Court. Now, in response to that, Trump issued a rather terse statement uh, yes. today 
uh, in response, but, and, and we'll, we'll get to some of the things that he said in that statement in a moment, but uh, the end result is uh, Trump's attorneys have petitioned the high court to delay action until after the elections. That's really not fair, and I don't believe that will ever fly. Yeah, I don't know that that will fly. I think I, I think that's more or less in response to let's expedite this, mm-hmm. you know, no, let's delay this. Uh, it's really going to be up to the Supreme Court, you know, whether or not they rule that presidential immunity was in effect or should be in effect. Well, remember also, if they rule against this, and let's say the trial comes after the election, and by some chance he does beat Biden, what happens then? They rule, he goes to trial, and let's say he's found guilty. What, are you going to remove the president that's sitting in office? It, it, that I don't think they're going to go for. Well, well, but but wait a minute. Can you actually try a sitting president? I'm not yes. sure you can. Can you? I believe you can because remember, no one is above the law. Right, but a sitting president. No I, one. I don't. Is I don't. Above the law. I don't think can be tried while. In office now, the sitting president could be tried after leaving office, but it, but while in office, it would come down, I believe, constitutionally to an impeachment. Um, it's it's a mess, you know. I mean, I'm talking about a cluster. You know what? In 2024, this is a cluster. You know what? Right now, yeah, it <laughs> is. Um, okay. You, um, it's agreed, at least by certain court rulings in the past, that you can prosecute a president while they're in office. Okay. There's no words in the Constitution that you cannot. Well, that's going to make things even more interesting. Ex- exactly. The best thing Trump can do, and as much as I don't want him to get the nomination, I do, as I've always said, stand with him against these phony charges, I think the best he can do is get this over with. Instead of hanging it, you know, having it hang on for months and months and months after the election, get it over, get it done with, and move on from there. I, I agree. I think that's probably the smartest approach to it. Um. Not necessarily what's actually going to happen, but I think it's right. the smartest approach to it. You know, in, in the statement Trump released earlier today, uh, he called Jack Smith an absolute disgrace. And, you know, Jack Smith is the prosecutor on this. And right. uh, I think he's right. I think uh, Jack Smith is an absolute disgrace. And mm-hmm. let's, you know, let's not discount the fact that this will not be Jack Smith's first trip to the Supreme Court. And in the no. past, he has lost virtually every case he has ever taken before the Supreme Court, and resoundingly. 
But the problem here is, take Smith out of the mix for a minute. Donald Trump has been ordered previously not to discuss the trials, the indictments, anything that's going on. And yet here he is, again, bloviating all over his social media site, all over everywhere, calling this one name, that one names, whatever. That does not look well to the Supreme Court. It would be in Trump's best interest not to say a word about any of this. It would Just be in keep his your mouth shut. Well, okay. Let's let's be clear about something. Trump has the right to remain silent, but he doesn't have the ability. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, no, it's funny, but it's true. He doesn't know how to keep his mouth shut and when to keep his mouth shut. Trump's undoing if it happens and and I don't want to see him indicted on phony charges just like his diehard supporters don't want that but Trump's biggest enemy is himself well and and that's always been the case and it's not going to change I mean you know uh, most people would take their attorney's advice and, and just shut up Right. But but that's not Trump. It's never been Trump. It'll never be Trump. And quite frankly, the the more uh the more angst he causes, the more his supporters like it. I mean it's a weird it's a weird uh you know set of circumstances. How much are they gonna like him come election time if he's convicted? Yeah, I I mean well his diehard supporters, Diane, the, the ones you and I call only Trumpers. Oh, yeah. They they won't waver at all. But he'll lose the independents. He'll lose the switchover Democrats. He'll lose some of his regular supporters. Nobody in the Nobody in their right mind would want to see an indicted president, a felony indicted president, being president of the United States. The uh, world is in a mess right now. We right. don't need to be distracted by a president's picadillos, if you will. We need a president that is focused on we the people, focused on the country, American exceptionalism, and bring our bringing our reputation back to number one on the world stage. Well, so that's going to play a part in know. it if. Only if he is indicted. There, there you go. Using common sense again. Mm-hmm. I mean, sorry, but I do it all the time. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, you know, it's 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 a it's a fault of yours, and yeah. uh, you know, I I've learned to deal with it over the many years that you and I have been working together. Um, you know, you're 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 absolutely right. Conventional wisdom says A, B, C, and D. Right. Right. What Trump's ardent supporters, you know, their mindset is to hell with conventional wisdom. That's why they like Trump is because he doesn't conform uh, to the conventional. And you're talking about the cult members, basically. Yeah, yeah, the only Trumpers, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, conventional wisdom says, you know, if he's indicted and, and uh, convicted and all this that 
you know, the independents will bail out on him and things like that. I, you know, I, I, my common sense tells me that's true. But then again, it's conventional wisdom, and conventional wisdom doesn't really apply to Donald Trump, and it never has. No, it so, hasn't. I, I don't people, know what to think. But people do reach a boiling point. Yeah. Imagine, just imagine, he's indicted. He can. He has every right to run, even if he's indicted. We all know that. Let's say he does win. But he's behind bars. How the hell is that going to look on the world stage? Is anyone going to respect that? No. no, no, no. And I mean, that's that's a, a very valid point, you know. Mm-hmm. And and uh, unfortunately, it's a point that you know the the only Trumpers, the ardent supporters of the man, simply ignore. They simply ignore it. You know, and, yeah. and that's that's all part of the mix. And I'll be talking about that a little bit more, you know, in my segment tonight, uh, mm-hmm. because that all kind of adds into the cluster, you know what, that's coming up in 2024. Well, you'll be talking about it tonight. I will be trying to solve it on next Tuesday because I think we need... Two new nominees, just like you do. But Trump does consider himself the nominee. He acts like he's the nominee already. But there's a way to stop him. You'll get into that next week. Yes, I will. So we'll look forward to that. And it's legal, folks. It's nothing nasty. It's nothing anything like that. But maybe the best thing for our country at this point in time is obviously not Joe Biden, but maybe it's not Donald Trump either. And there is a way to stop it. We'll get into that next week. But tonight, we need to also talk about what's going on in Israel with the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, I read earlier today that there have now been 90, 90 attacks against U.S. troops in the Middle East since October 17th. All we've yes. done really in response is little pinprick strikes here and there. We haven't really gone full bore into it. But Netanyahu said a couple of days ago that if the U.S., won't take on Hezbollah and the Houthis, they will. Right. And I stand with Bibi 100%. Hamas needs to go. Look, nobody had the courage to fully dismantle ISIS. Because if they did, ISIS wouldn't have been reborn as Hamas. We need to get rid of these terrorist groups. If we're not going to do it, and obviously with Biden and crew were not doing it. Let the country that wants to do it, that has every right to do it, allow them to do it and support them in their doing it. Hamas needs to go. They're not going to stop with Israel, folks. Well, and and not only Hamas, but the Houthis and and, uh, Hezbollah. Hezbollah. And and I mean, really, yep, they're all sponsored by iran 
Exactly. You know, so if you really, really want to take care of the problem, take care of Iran. Well, there's another thing also that people need to forget, but it's way up there in the mix. Number one, there are no such things as Palestinians. They're technically Jordanian bloodline, Jordanian. They hold Jordanian passports, whatever. Uh, when King Hussein threw them out of Georgia, he, uh, Georgia, Jordan, because they were troublemakers and they, you know, moseyed on over to Israel and started claiming Israel is Palestine and all that nonsense. The their fellow Arab countries need to absorb them back in. Jordan, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, the whole area of it. The problem is their own Arab people do not want them because they know they are terrorists. They know they are troublemakers and they don't want them. In fact, Egypt right now is furious about even the Ramallah opening because some of them want to stay in Egypt. Egypt doesn't want them. Right. And can you blame Egypt? No. No. You know, I mean, they understand exactly who these people are and right. uh, and what they are, you know, and, and they don't want them. Saudi doesn't want them. Syria doesn't no. want them. Yemen doesn't want them. No. But the problem, especially with Egypt because Egypt has that vast area, Sinai. I think they're afraid that they would turn Sinai into their so-called Palestinian homeland. And if they were to do that, that could cause a problem between Cairo, I'm yeah, between Cairo and Tel Aviv. Right. These these people, the ones that are Hamas fighters, terrorists, whatever, the ones that sympathize with Hamas, they all need to go. We need to end this nonsense because, folks, don't stick your head in the sand like an ostrich. Once they finish off the Jews in their mind, they will come for the Christians next. Sure they will. And let's not forget the lessons of history either, because obviously Egypt has not forgotten the lesson they learned with the Sinai. You know, right. Egypt tried to launch, this This goes, you know, back 50, 60 years, Egypt tried to launch attacks against Israel from right. the Sinai. Israel kicked their butts. I mean, kicked their butts fast right. and hard. And retook and, the Sinai. Yeah. And, and retook the Sinai until Egypt promised they would never do such a thing again. And they gave the Sinai back to Egypt. Right. And that has held... That truce between Israel and Egypt has held. They don't want it. Neither Egypt nor Israel wants that broken. Yet the Palestinians would, and their supporters in Hamas and just their supporters in general would love nothing better than to s- destroy that peace between those two nations. Exactly. And here's, here's yet another um, aspect of it that a lot of people don't get or they they simply don't understand uh you know we always hear about hamas using civilians as human shields right Right. they do Mm -hmm. which is exactly what they do so now let's look at the neighborhood okay okay egypt jordan uh yemen 
Saudi Arabia. Okay, they don't Syria, want Lebanon. Syria. Yeah, they they don't want the the quote unquote Palestinians there because they don't want their people used as human shields by Hamas. Right. You know, and that's a big factor as to why none of the Arab countries want to absorb the so-called Palestinians. Well, you also forget the factor that none of the Arab countries want to feed, clothe, house, and support useless people. Right. They would sponge off the system. Right. And they would bleed their economies. Right. Because these are not highly educated people, folks. They are indoctrinated people. And there's a huge difference. Not what you would call uh, productive members of society. No. And we're not saying every single one. Of course not. But for the most part, any that side with Hamas, any that support Hamas, they are indoctrinated, not educated. Well, and and to be perfectly honest with you, I think there are fewer and fewer. I mean, there there are some that that side with Israel, and that's Mm -hmm. a good thing, but there are fewer and fewer of them all the time. Um, Yes. These are people that for the last couple of generations, they have known no other way. They have to obey Hamas or they die. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's uh, it's indoctrination by force. True. Well, here's an interesting little tidbit. The Christian Arabs, in other words, the Coptics, that, right. that branch of Christianity, right. they have all sided with Israel. Well, they yeah. want Hamas gone. Uh, because if, they know they're next. Remember, ISIS went after the Coptics. Absolutely, they did. You know, and uh, I mean, everybody in the neighborhood, everybody in that Middle East region, they're sick and tired of Hamas. They're sick of them. They're, they're right. sick of Hezbollah. They're sick of the Houthis. They're sick of the uh, Islamic Republic or whatever they call themselves. You know, they're they're sick of the whole thing. They're and, sick. Uh, they're sick of the Palestinians. Right. You know, but really, if, if you really want to stop all this nonsense that goes on over there and the terrorist attacks that are launched from there, you got to cut the head off the snake. And, and that's Iran. And yes. the, the first step, if you really want to do that, is destroy Iran's ability to produce and ship oil. Absolutely. You and I have both spoken about that and written about that. And and it's 100% true. It just is. Yes. yes. Iran has a new big buyer of their oil, China. Right. Well, There's and Russia. There's some money involved here, folks. Yeah, and Russia. Russia's buying their oil, too. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's just a fact. Now, on the Israeli side of the coin... Uh, to his credit, Bibi Netanyahu, the Prime Minister of Israel, says, we're not going to quit till we're done. And we have recently been seeing a lot of videos of Hamas supporters in Gaza surrendering at a rapid rate. The thing is, Bibi is smart enough not to trust them. Right. They could be a supporter one minute just to save their own butts, and the next minute try to, you know, pull their nonsense again. You can't trust these people. Remember in Islam, 
you can do anything. You can lie, cheat, steal, whatever to promote Islam and Islam's, use your air quotes, values. Hamas is an Islamic organization. 100%. You cannot forget that bottom line. You know, and, and let's not forget where Hamas started. It started as a branch of the Muslim Brotherhood. Exactly. You know, and we saw what the Muslim Brotherhood tried to do in Egypt just a few short years ago. Yes, we did. So, Thankfully, they failed. Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of history there. There's a lot of uh, different factors in play over there. Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu just needs to keep doing what he's doing till he's done. Exactly. In fact, today or, or late yesterday, he said he will not be part and party to Biden's so-wanted ceasefire, permanent right. ceasefire. He said no. Yep. Uh, in, in other words, go pound Middle East sand, Joe Biden. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, good for him. All right. So we're we're just about here to the end of this segment. We've got a couple of big segments coming up. 30 minutes from now, I'm going to be talking about 2024, a cluster you-know-what in the making. But when we come back from this bottom-of-the-hour break, Diane's got it with, and yet, they still march. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. guys, Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's long-time Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on rspradio1.com. Craig Andreessen at the National Patriot, Diane Sori at the Patriot Factor. Getting you through Tuesday night's edition of the show. If you miss any part of it, go to rspradio1.com tomorrow morning. Click the podcast button. You can hear this entire show and all the others. 
Yes. All right. So things on college campuses are still a freaking mess. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's all this uh, anti-Semitic BS that's yeah. that's going on. You've decided to take that on with uh, an op-ed under the title of And Yet They Still March. Yes, and let's start by saying they were targeted, brutalized, savagely mutilated via unimaginable atrocities committed on their person. Atrocities solely designed to institute rape as a means of genocide. Atrocities so vile that hell itself pales in comparison. And yet the silence of many is deafening while others still march. And know that atrocities is too mild a word to describe the truth that is finally coming to light. For said atrocities committed are not now, nor have they ever been, the thoughts of civilized men. Atrocities whose only tangible point of reference being is that ISIS itself has indeed been reborn in the guise of Hamas. Pelvis is broken body parts cut off and then played with, organs removed and babies cut out of their still-alive mother's wombs, beheadings, burnings, impalements, and the placing of sharp metal objects where no object should ever be, gang rape on a scale unseen before, gang rape as but a weapon of pure terror not seen in recent wars past, Hamas's calling card now being presented for the whole world to see. And yet the silence of many is deafening, while others still march. Desecration of the innocent, while the guilty reveled in the sexual perversion that their bloodlust committed. For with each Jewish woman now laying dead, her bloodline died along with her. Hamas's goal achieved, no matter their hands still drip in the still warm blood of their victims. A stain that forever cannot, nor should not, ever be removed. And yet, Craig, the silence of many is deafening, while others still march. March in support of savages, the victims be damned. You know, the the list of atrocities that, that took place on October 7th uh, is almost endless, and it's sickening. But it's it necessary uh, to keep pointing these things out to people who still march. Because it's not just Israel dealing with it, right? Correct. And let's continue by saying they were raped while injured, yet still alive. They were raped while in the throes of dying, and raped again even after they were dead. Some raped by many, with their bodies passed around for the savages' enjoyment. Others raped by but a few. The savages showed no mercy, for only savages could do what they did, relish in it, be proud of it, with thoughts of 72 virgins becoming the their thought of reward. No mere words can describe what happened on October 7th, yet its shadow will hang over not just Israel, but over all the nations of the civilized world until time itself ends. What happened in Israel can indeed happen anywhere when both civilized men and women look away and play down or worse, ignore or make excuses for what did happen in Israel on that most horrific of days. For Israel and the Jewish people, October 7, 2023, 
now being referred to as Black Saturday, will always be the day that never again did indeed happen again. And yet even with the atrocities committed against Israeli women now becoming known, and with very few women of said rapes having survived being attacked, the silence of many American women remains deafening. Deafening silence from women who should know better, but instead willingly choose to be part of the ever-expanding cycle of Israel and Jew hatred, anti-Semitism now taken to the nth degree. And here I speak of American women who have no trouble supporting groups like Me Too, and now American women who, by their own choice, choose to look away from the reality that is truth they don't want to hear, let alone see, or accept. So while the now being released photos and videos tell the true story, these women, no matter their political leanings, not only refuse to see the videos, hear the screams, digest the testimonies given, or accept what happened as fact, they still outwardly refuse to comprehend or even condemn the severity of the inhumanity Hamas committed against their fellow women. Sadly, it's these very women who seem to think that it's better they wallow in their indoctrinated hateful bliss while continuing to march and protest in support of both Hamas and the non-existent Palestinian people, Gazans as some are now calling them, the not-so-innocent people who cheered on Hamas's vile actions while they paraded bloodied injured and sometimes decapitated women through the streets of Gaza. Savages who, thanks to these misguided women's support, now have seen the public discourse here in the U.S. being twisted to actually blame the victims for what happened instead of blaming those who committed the aforementioned acts. And Craig, in their deliberately turning their backs on the innocent female victims, these women's silence actually becomes an act of condoning, for if one does not condemn, they do condone. Well, it's it's a further example of how the left and their indoctrination and their woke nonsense has permeated even civilized culture. And, mm-hmm. you know, when you look at the Me Too movement that just a few years ago was all up in arms over anything that happened 30, 35, 40, 45 years ago. Right. Now it's Me Too unless you're a Jew. Exactly. And, you know, it's sad to say, but while at times silence itself speaks volumes, most especially in times of war, in the case of the atrocity unleashed upon Israeli women, on both young and old women, and in many cases on very young children as well, the collective known as womanhood should be ashamed of itself, as the battle cry has sounded that this war between Israel v. Hamas has not only morphed into a war between the civilized man v. the savage, but into a war between the savage and the rights of women in general, not to be used as either weapons or spoils of war. 
And to that effect, while some women's groups and organizations have issued but a blanket statement that, quote, rape and mutilation must be universally condemned without equivocation, many other women's groups and women of political name here in our country sadly continue to spew overtly Israel-hating and anti-Semitic words, no matter the inhumanity, denigration, and outright terror Israeli women recently faced. So here let me cite but one women's organization and one American woman of political name. Only one of each because of word count constraints when writing an article as examples of overtly ignoring the victim's plight just because they were women, Jewish women. And Craig, let me start with squad member Rashida Tlaib, the representative from from Michigan, who I consider, like Hamas, to be a true piece of human garbage. You know, Rashida Tlaib is uh, a real piece of work. Mm-hmm. When, when you look at people like her, and I'm not just specifically saying her, but people like her, she's, you know, obviously one of the foremost examples of it. Their, you know, pro-Hamas stance isn't just pro-Hamas, it's pretty much anti-American. And if you were to go to Washington, D.C. and walk down the hallway past her office, you would see just how anti-American that woman really is. Well, not only that, Tlaib believes herself to be the voice of the Palestinian people here in the U.S., Rashida Tlaib who still has a Palestinian flag standing outside her congressional office, should have been expelled from Congress long ago, for she, in my opinion, is ground zero for most of the anti-Semitic rhetoric and hate that now seems to have overtaken both common sense and logic here in our country. And for women who really don't understand the events nor the ramifications that took place on October 7th, Rashida Tlaib has become their de facto leader, not only in hate, but in the dehumanizing of women in general. Rashida Tlaib relishes in using the phrase, from the river to the sea, Israel and Jewish hating code words for extermination, extermination by any means possible, including by ending the Jewish bloodline, a bloodline carried in Jewish law by women, as in by one's mother. And in regards to October 7th, the Jewish women not murdered, but gang raped, mutilated and left alive, now see the end of their family bloodline. This is what Tlaib and her foolish followers herald. I believe Rashida Tlaib hates women, herself specifically, for she has been brought up in a male-dominated culture that does not value women. So if one is taught to not value women in general, herself included, it's no wonder that Tlaib refuses to condemn the savage acts committed by male-dominated Hamas. And while she claims that her lack of condemnation is mainly due to some in Congress dehumanizing Palestinians, I guess raping and then mutilating Jewish women is not dehumanizing enough for her, but daring to criticize the very people who gave birth to and support 
Hamas is. Rashida Tlaib could have been a powerful voice against the atrocities committed against Israel and especially against Jewish women, but her indoctrinated hatred of her own womanhood, coupled with her hateful contempt for Israel, overruled all. And she was able to funnel that hate into American women and men whose anti-Semitism quietly simmered below the surface and brought it to life and to boil again. And so, Craig, they continue to march. Okay, so you, you've called out Rashida Tlaib, and rightly so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for all the good it, it's going to do because, well, she's she's a sow. But yeah. you also said you were going to call out a, a, an organization. You're, you're going to call out one specific individual and yes. an organization. So what is that organization? Okay. Let me cite the major women's organization who, while they did issue a statement about the atrocities committed against Jewish women and women hostages, did so only when pushed into a corner. And here I speak of the United Nations Women's Right Group, UN Women, whose words of condemnation did not come until 57 long days after the horrific events of October 7th took place, saying in their overdue statement that, quote, we, UN women, unequivocally condemn the brutal attacks by Hamas on Israel on, on 7 October, and we are alarmed by the numerous accounts of gender-based atrocities and sexual violence during those attacks, end quote. In their statement, they also called for all accounts of what they call gender-based violence to be investigated and prosecuted. Too afraid to offend Muslim nations and leaders, too politically correct or simply not really caring about what happened to Jewish women on October 7th, UN women, who I believe, if not already in possession of the turned over multitudes of evidence against um, Hamas, have at least seen it, and they should have actually described the atrocities committed by Hamas against these women, not just glossed over them by delegating said atrocities under the banner of sexual violence. Also, in my opinion, UN women should have called for rape as a weapon of war to be listed as an official, hence punishable, war crime. But I guess it doesn't really matter for the Israel-hating, Palestinian-loving UN, what I call the useless nations, has not to date even started an official investigation into the matter. In fact, this seemingly calculated delay has forced Israel's foreign minister, Eli Cohen, to issue words of his own regarding UN women's way-too-late statement, saying that not only should the organization's director be forced to quit, but that, quote, the behavior of UN women since the massacre on October 7 has been shameful as it has been tempered with hate coming after nearly two months of silence and turning a blind eye to war crimes, crimes against humanity, and sexual crimes committed by the Hamas terror group, end quote. And how right Foreign Minister Cohen is, 
But even worse is the fact that no matter the vile nature of the atrocities committed against Jewish women on October 7th, certain women's groups still seem selective in deciding which women are to be deemed but throw away objects and which women are worth standing up for. To women like Rashida Tlaib and her supporters here in our country, Jewish women are garbage, best to be thrown out, while organizations like UN Women get to pick and choose which women are worth standing up for and which groups of women simply don't matter at all. And so the pro-Palestinian anti-Israel fire remains lit for the marches and protests to continue. And once again, the silence regarding atrocities committed against Jewish women remains silent. And to that, case closed. You know, it's really stunning when you think about it. And if you delve into the nature of it, it it kind of makes sense all the same. Mm -hmm. Liberalism has invaded the entire thought process where women are concerned. You know, it was only seven, eight years ago that uh, women's groups in this country were jumping up and down, screaming, every woman mattered and every woman should be believed. Right. Okay. That was followed. That was followed a few short years later by liberal women claiming they couldn't even define what a woman is. Right. That now has led to, well, they're Jewish, so they're not really human, so it doesn't really matter. I mean, this is the liberal thought process, if you follow it step by step, and it's disgusting. It's very disgusting. But I want people, if they do go to my op-ed, in this op-ed, I have the Israeli video. It has warnings all over it. But what it is, this particular video, is the testimony that Israel gave before the UN just a couple of weeks ago, the actual testimony of people who witnessed the brutalities and survived at the music festival and some of the women that were actually released. Yeah, and we're getting more and more of those comments and and, uh, videos from people who have actually been released you know, after yes. spending a couple of months as hostages to Hamas. And, you know, little by little, these stories are coming out, and they are sickening. Yeah. Well, one thing in particular about uh, Rashida Tlaib, I want people to understand, she was born in this country to Palestinian parents who came here. I don't know at the time of her birth if they were naturalized or not. But they were Palestinians. Now, her father was an auto worker. Her mother was the typical Muslim wife, you know, the the whole get up. And she had 15 children. So she was raised in the, the Muslim Islamic culture. Such as it is. Such as it is. In other words, women are property of the men. You don't do not stand up to the men, or they have every right to do what they want to you. Yeah, I think the uh, I think the terminology most frequently used is chattel. Chattel, yeah, that is. Yeah. Exactly. Um, you know, and if you don't know what that is, folks, look it up. 
you know, um, exactly. you know, Google exists for a reason. Use it. Um, yeah. the, you know, I think one of the most, you know, what you just said about Rashida Tlaib being brought up in the Muslim quote unquote culture, such as it is, uh, mm-hmm. and her disdain for women as part of that quote unquote culture is one of the most interesting aspects uh, in the whole op-ed. And by the way, folks, you can find the op-ed, and yet they still march at Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or by going to rspradio1.com. Either way, you can get the link, you can read the article for yourself, and hopefully you can share it everywhere. But I think that's really one of the most interesting points that you make in the entire op-ed. And, and I think it's something that has probably escaped most people's notice or, or realization. Right. Well, you know, most of the articles that I have written about Israel, I have gotten very good response on and comments on. However, to show the actual hatred for not only Jews, but people who support Israel and Jews, I just want to read a brief comment that I received on an alternate site due to my pro-Israel stance. And, And this man, he doesn't even have the courage to use his name. He goes by the moniker Crazy Horse. He called me, you parasitic, satanic, pathological, lying Jew. You think that just because Jews control many parts of society, people don't see through all the Jewish lies that scum like you spread. We we read your Talmud and expose videos of Jews admitting and bragging as they admit and commit crimes, while cunts like you try to cover up and hide Jewish crimes with anti-Semitic labels. I won't even go further than that because it gets even worse of all. First of all, I have never said what religion I am or am not. I always make a point of saying, while I believe in God, I do not believe in man-made religious dogma and tenets. And Craig, you know that to be true. I do. Okay. No one knows what I am. In my house, we put up a Christmas tree, we put up a menorah. Okay. We're a blended family, but nobody knows on which side each one comes from. Let's put it that way. And nobody is going to know because that's my personal life, and I keep it out of what I do. However, just because I support the Jewish people, just because I support Israel and Benjamin Netanyahu, someone has a right on social media, not on Facebook. I don't even think Facebook would have allowed this this bastard's comments. Probably not. Okay, But this is what I would assume that Jewish people face now here in our country. Yeah, it's disgusting. It's disgusting. It's despicable. Well, and I'll tell you what. It's anti-American. Yes, it's anti-Jewish. But by God, it's anti-American too. 
Absolutely. And when then when you hide behind a phony moniker, you are calling somebody all these vile, disgusting things, but you don't even have the courage to stand up and well, put that- your name to what you're saying. Everything I write, every profile on every media site that I have, everything I write that is published has my name on it. You might not agree with me, but I'm not going to hide behind phoniness. Well, and that's what a lot of these women now protesting against Israel, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, um, that's what they're doing. When reporters interview them, they don't give their names. Well, and a lot of them, let's be honest with you, if you go to some of these pro-Hamas rallies, you'll see a lot of people with their faces covered. Okay, Mm -hmm. it's no different than when you went to Black Lives Matter rallies or Antifa Mm -hmm. rallies. The cowards always cover up their faces. They don't want to be identified. Exactly. And that shows that they have no credibility, no credence at all. But for women to be doing this, women who, like Craig said earlier, stood up for women that claim things happened 40, 50 years ago, but don't stand up for the women who it recently happened to mere weeks ago, and the proof is all over the internet, you turn your backs on those women, you are worse than cowards. You are as scummy as the ones who committed the acts. I 100% agree. You know, I mean, it, it it just is what it is, and it gets more sickening by the day. Um, yes. You know, and and it's it's the the woke culture, the the liberal agenda. It's all it's all in full play here, and uh, you know, this is why this is a big part of why uh, the Democrat Party right now is so divided and and so much in shambles uh, is because that they don't know whether to crap or go blind because their true colors are actually showing. There are some that are trying to cover up those true colors, but the two true colors of the party and the party agenda are on full display right now. They don't like that. But the sad thing is, Craig, there's even some in the Republican party. That's, that's very not true. Many, not many, not many. That It's, it's true. Some. Yeah, it's true, um, you know. But but you know, you wonder just how Republican are those individuals? You know, probably rhinos. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a sad but true thing, folks. I want you to go to Diane's blog, thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, or go to rspradio1.com. Either place, you can find the link to, and yet they still march. And I hope you read the op-ed for yourself and then share the link everywhere you can. Um, this this is one of those people need to understand what's really going on. Yeah, it's brutal. Yeah, it's hard to read in places. It's hard to hear, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, we're not going to be able to change uh, these absurd ideologies if we try to hide from the truth. That's very true. It's just just the way it is. And yet they still march. 
It's a great op-ed. Folks, we have gotten to the end of this segment, which means we've got to take another quick break. When we come back, I'm talking about 2024, a cluster you-know-what in the making. Stay with us. There's more Right Side Patriots after this. Hi, guys. Diane Sorry from The Patriot Factor on thepatriotfactor.blogspot.com, where I found a home base seven years ago after becoming one of Facebook's longtime Facebook felons, or so I've been told by the Facebook gods. On my blog, you will find not only my articles, but our Right Side Patriots investigative reports, as well as stories and links to and from well-known writers and bloggers, plus what I call almost daily memes, my snarky take on news of the day. And for more great takes on the issues of the day, check out The National Patriot at thenationalpatriot.com, where you can read Craig's insight into all the current news happenings. And join us both on Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. EST at rspradio1.com. You're listening to Right Side Patriots Radio, the best in conservative commentary, news, and talk where we do away with the politically correct nonsense and give you the politically direct truth. This is the home of Right Side Patriots every Tuesday and Friday night from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern with Craig Andreessen and Diane Sori. We're working to make this country great again from the right and leaving puddles of melted snowflakes on the left. Thanks for listening to Right Side Patriots, your best bet on the Internet. You're listening to RSPRadio1.com. Welcome back to Right Side Patriots on RSPRadio1.com. Craig Andreessen and Diane Sorry getting you through the Tuesday night show. If you miss any part of it, go to RSPRadio1.com tomorrow morning, click the podcast button, and have at it. You can binge listen for all we care. We hope you do. <laughs> all right, so this week I was thinking ahead. I was thinking about the upcoming 2024 general election, the presidential election. Maybe you folks haven't heard about it. Maybe you don't realize we have an election coming up next year. It's it's been very quiet uh, on on the election (laughs) front. But, you know, when you really start looking at the totality of it, Mm -hmm. this election is going to be like nothing we have ever witnessed in our lives. I agree. Uh, and it gets messier and, and, and more uh, gummed up by the day, which led me to write a commentary under the title of 2024, A Cluster You-Know-What in the Making. Now, for the record, the 2020 presidential election is shaping up to be a genuine cluster you-know-what. What we have is the two major parties, both in an uproar, and third-party candidates who don't really stand a hooker's chance in Hunter's Hacienda, ready to do what was previously unheard of, siphon votes from the Democrats. 
it's always been the rule that the third-party candidate takes votes from the Republican side of the political spectrum. But 2024 will be the exception. Robert Kennedy Jr. is running a third-party campaign, and while he will take most of the votes he gets from Joe Biden, we cannot dismiss what could happen should Donald Trump win the Republican nomination, as there will be some, not many, but some Republicans who will vote for Robert Kennedy Jr. It gets worse for the Republicans should Trump not win the nomination, as a good many of the only Trumpers, those who vow it's Trump or nothing, will either write in Trump, in which case neither Trump nor the nominee other than Trump on the Republican side will win, or some of them will vote Kennedy, in which case neither Kennedy nor Trump nor the Republican other than Trump nominee will win. But for the sake of argument, let's say Trump pulls it off. Let's say he wins the nomination and the presidential election. What happens next? Well, that depends largely on what happens with the down tickets in both the House and the Senate. Right now, Republicans hold a razor-thin majority in the House, and we may well not hold on to that after 2024. Diane, if we lose the House and Trump wins, we will be right back where we were after 2016 with endless sham impeachment trials. If we don't gain the majority in the Senate in 2024 and lose the House, Trump will be out faster than Joe Biden can trip on the stairs. <laughs> well, you know what? The, the problem is, even if we the Republicans hold the House, and no matter what happens in the Senate, there's still going to be problems for Trump. And that's going to taint everything. Yeah, well, I mean, let's take a look at that. Even if the Republicans hold on to the House and gain control of the Senate, Trump will be embroiled in legal wrangling nonstop unless he pardons himself, which will bring about a constitutional question, taking the sitting president to the Supreme Court, all of which becomes a major distraction from the duties of the president and thus diminishes any preconceived notion of effectiveness. But what happens, again for the sake of argument, should Trump somehow win and survive the onslaught of attacks? He will be a one term president, a lame duck from the moment he gets elected, and that's not a good thing where foreign policy or domestic policies are concerned. On the world stage, his clout will be severely hampered by being only a one-term occupant of the Oval Office, and domestically, due to the deep hole he'll be in thanks to Biden's policies of open borders, killing our energy independence and economic policies that have led to choking inflation, Four years will not be enough to turn the ship around. That leaves whomever Trump might pick as a running mate to deal with it. Given Trump's narcissism and arrogance, it would seem unlikely that he would choose someone strong enough and adept enough to take over should he be ousted or 
win outright themselves in 2028. Somebody like Ron DeSantis, Nikki Haley, or maybe Governor Christie Nome. It's more likely that he would choose a career insurance policy like Carrie Lake or some other puppet that would make people think twice about replacing him, i.e. the Republican version of Kamala Harris. Diane, if Trump wins, if Republicans maintain control of the House and if Republicans take the majority in the Senate, all big ifs, bottom line is that he's one and done, and that sets up another open field with dozens of candidates on the stage for 2028, which most likely leads to a quantum shift back to liberal control in 2028. Well, Craig, you know, you laid out a very good case for what happens on the Republican end. But isn't there still a cluster, you know what, on the Democrat end itself? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's not simply on the right side of the aisle. Exactly. At the left end of the cluster, you know what, we have the cognitive disaster that is Joe Biden and the intellectual disaster, Kamala Harris, neither of which is fit to serve. Biden has his own deep legal problems related to his being in business with Hunter Biden and reaping the rewards of payoffs and payouts and bribery to the tune of tens of millions of dollars, mostly from company or countries that don't like us very much. Joe said he had no knowledge of Hunter's business dealings, but records clearly show he did. Joe said Hunter never received any money from China, but records clearly show that not only did Hunter get paid millions from China, but so too did Joe. James and nearly 10 other family members of the Biden family crime syndicate after trying to launder the proceeds through better than 20 different shell companies. Joe then said he was never in business with Hunter, but then again, records clearly indicate that was also a lie. Despite bloviations and denials from Biden and his camp, Hunter's laptop, his text and email records, and bank records, for that matter, paint a much clearer picture of what was really going on than the crack-addicted Hunter Biden could paint in his most lucid dreams. Then there's Joe's steep cognitive freefall, which is on full display every time he shows up in public, and it's getting worse on a daily basis. One time, a couple of years ago, the Easter Bunny had to help Joe find his way out of his own yard. Then, of course, there's the physical decline, which has gotten so bad that Joe Biden now has a team of people whose job it is to keep him upright during any public appearance. But Joe's problems are not limited to his fragile mental and physical state. His policies are also a disaster. From his surrender in Afghanistan, leaving Americans and our allies behind, and turning the country over to the Taliban, to giving Ukraine billions of dollars with no accountability as to how it's being spent. Diane, there's also the handing of to Iran of billions of dollars while claiming to be Israel's friend in the war against Hamas. Joe Biden's been on the wrong side of every foreign policy that's ever come across his desk. Well, it's actually come back to haunt concerning Russia, who suddenly, you know, came alive when Biden took office. Yeah, I mean, Russia waited until Trump was out of office to invade Ukraine. 
Biden is soft on China, who's been bankrolling the Biden family crime syndicate for years. He has refunded Hamas via the Palestinian Authority, and his domestic policies have also been disasters. The border's wide open to the point that 8 million unvetted illegal aliens poured into our country, including hundreds from the terrorist watch list. Joe Biden killed our energy independence by shutting down the building of an oil pipeline while allowing Russia to reopen theirs. Bidenomics is an utter failure as inflation and increasing interest rates have left most Americans unable to afford the basic necessities of life like groceries or to buy a new home. And don't even get me started on his COVID and lockdown and vaccine policies. Joe Biden has allowed the military to go woke to the point that we have the worst recruiting stats ever. And we now have a Supreme Court justice unable to define the word woman. Through all of that and so much more, Joe Biden's career insurance policy, Kamala Harris, just cackles and spews out word salads in an attempt to answer the most basic of questions, and never visited the border during her stint as border czar. She's now in charge of artificial intelligence. Good Lord. (laughs) And Diane, unless the BS 2024 strain of COVID shows up fast, Joe can't campaign from the basement like he did in 2020, and his handlers, including his wife and the Easter Bunny, can't let him out in public. So... Where does that leave the left side of the political aisle? Well, it leads them to pull shenanigans regarding regarding the election, regarding voting in general. And they pulled one of those shenanigans right here in my state of Florida. Well, that's right. And that's because Joe Biden is bleeding voters like California's bleeding population. But... A week ago, the Democrat Party in Florida floated a trial balloon like China floats spy balloons. The Florida Democrat Party, despite others trying to run against Joe for the Democrat nomination, simply handed all 250 delegates to Joe Biden by refusing to allow any Democrat challenger to appear on the Florida primary ballot. Now, let me add some much-needed perspective here. Most Democrat voters still claim that electing Trump again will cause the end of our democracy, even though we're not a democracy but a constitutional republic, yet they have no problem keeping challengers to Joe off the primary ballot. In other words, it's against democracy to challenge the results of an election, but it's A-OK to fix an election or, in this case, stonewall a primary election. Not only is Joe Biden bleeding once stalwart voters from blocks owned by the Democrats for decades, like black or Hispanic voters, he's now losing Islamic voters. More to the point, Joe Biden is losing the pro-Hamas, pro-international terrorist organization, pro-wipe Israel from the map and kill all the Jews voters. It's so bad that in the face of Biden not calling for a permanent ceasefire by Israel in the war against Hamas, Muslim leaders from Michigan, Minnesota, Arizona, Wisconsin, Florida, Georgia, Nevada, and Pennsylvania are vowing to ensure that Biden is a one-term president by starting the 
hashtag abandon Biden movement. <laughs> Diane, that's got to be a massive butt hurt for Joe Biden's puppet master, Barack Hussein Obama, who's been cultivating that particular voting block since 2008. But it falls right in line with the recent polling that shows that 67% of Democrat voters nationwide do not want Joe Biden to run for a second term. Well, there's some other little factors here that actually add insults to injuries, and it's injuries of Biden's own doing. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about those for a minute. Adding insult to Biden's self-inflicted injuries is current polling that indicates Joe's approval rating stinks at just 37% overall and 32% approval regarding his handling of our economy, our foreign affairs, and his handling of the Israel-Hamas war. Add to that the fact that Kamala Harris is only polling at a 39% approval rate, and you can see clearly that the Democrat Party is just as fractured as is the Republican Party as we head into the primaries early next year. So, what are we to do? Well, the time to say that the polls don't matter, as far as the primaries are concerned, has come and gone. And to hold any illusion that somebody other than Donald Trump will win the Republican nomination is folly at best. Only the RNC committing political suicide by brokering the convention next summer is likely to alter that. By all means, vote for who you really want leading up to the nomination, but for the love of God, vote for whoever the nominee is for the Republicans next November. Personally, I'll vote for Ron DeSantis in the primary, as I don't believe a short-term, one-term victory based on revenge will lead to long-term success for the country. But I sure as hell will vote for Trump, unless the RNC pulls a fast one, in which case I'll support whoever they choose, and a straight Republican down-ticket ballot in 2024. On the left side of things, I believe the DNC will broker their convention if Joe Biden doesn't take his final bow and then fall off the stage as he's leaving before that. And they will make Governor Gavin Newsom their new Obama puppet, regardless of the unmitigated disaster he's created in California. As DeSantis says, Newsom's California is the template the liberals want for the rest of the country. Again, just for the record, the 2024 presidential election is shaping up to be a genuine cluster you-know-what. Oh, it sure is big time. <laughs> it's bad on both sides. That's why, Craig, according to polls, and I don't take polls all that serious, uh, but I know. according to polls, more than 52% of the country, Democrat and Republicans want two different candidates. They do not want a Biden-Trump rematch. Well, and I understand that. And, you know, polls, like you say, polls are polls. Um, you know, that that's looking ahead to the general election in 2024, maybe more so than it is to the primaries, but it certainly includes the primaries. It includes the but, primaries because but, but, you've got Biden but, and Trump. Yeah, but here's the deal. I understand that 
you know, now a majority of voters across party lines do not want a rematch of what they saw in 2020. Mm -hmm. But that might be what they get regardless of what they want. You know, I mean, and and that's, that's part of the cluster. You know what? I mean, when when you, you know, when you look at the situation we're in with this upcoming election, there is not one part of it that isn't a cluster. You know what in the making. Right. No, it's a bad situation all around. It it affects everyone in this country to one degree or another. That's why the primaries you really need, both parties really need to think who they're pushing as their nominees. Well, and in your state down there in Florida, the party really did think about that and they took steps. They eliminated anybody else on the Democrat side that's actually running for president and just handed the 250 votes to Joe Biden. Well, let me say one thing about that. As governor, Ron DeSantis cannot do one damn thing about that. That is up to the party. That's right. That's why I made... Governor cannot step in. No one can step in. That is from the party officials. Nothing can be done about it. That is why I specifically said the Democrat Party did it. Right. That's that's Democrat Party rules. Okay. Right. And that's the, how the primaries go. They're subject to right. the party rules and federal rules. If they don't cross any of those things, anything goes. Well, and, and that's why I put it in specific context, too. Okay. Right. The liberals, the left side of the aisle, they jump up and down, wad up their panties and gnash their teeth. Oh, if Trump gets elected, it's the end of democracy. And then they go out and subvert democracy by taking everybody off their their ballot in Florida other than their guy. And they forget we're not a democracy. I wish people would stop saying we are a democracy. That's part of the problem. People have not accepted that we are a constitutional republic. We are not mob rule. Mob rule is the definition of democracy. Mob rule is what the Democrats want. Exactly. And, and, And I think that's why they are so insistent on calling it a democracy. However, it's people on our side of the aisle, too, people on the right side of the aisle. They call it a democracy just because it kind of caught on, I don't know how many decades ago. You know, it's kind of like calling every copy machine you see a Xerox. You know, there are Ricoh copy machines, there are Panasonic copy machines, you know. But it's all Xerox. There are Puffs tissues, there are Kleenex tissues, there are Scott tissues, but they're all Kleenexes. Right. You no, know? that's true. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things. You know, popular culture has called it uh, a democracy. But I know the difference, and that's why I pointed it out in this commentary. By the way, you can get this commentary, 2024, a cluster you-know-what in the making, by going either to my blog, thenationalpatriot.com, or going to rspradio1.com. The link is there on both sites. Read it for yourself. Save it, because as we get into the primary season and a lot of this other stuff starts happening, you're going to look back on this one and go, yep, you got that right. Yeah. 
<laughs> it really is what you said it is. I mean, it's a it's a cluster. You know what a palooza? Yeah, on across the spectrum of both parties, and you know, if people aren't careful. We could have some loony third party fringe candidate as Ooh, president. Yikes Stranger a, things have happened. Yikes a hootie, right? Mm-hmm. I mean it's it's kind of crazy. All right, so uh once again, folks, uh Diane's op ed is available at the patriotfactor.com. My op-ed is available at thenationalpatriot.com. Both op-eds, to make it easy, are available at rspradio1.com, which also is where you want to go if you missed any part of tonight's show because we've got the podcast button up there. Click that. It takes you to Podbean, which is where we host all of our podcasts, and you can hear this whole show right there. Now, Diane, next week, next Tuesday, you and I are going to be here this Friday and next Tuesday. Then right. we are going to take off a little time for Christmas and New Year's. Mm-hmm. We do next, it every year. <laughs> we do it every year. It's nothing new. Uh, we're not we're not breaking new ground with this. We're not setting precedent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, next Tuesday, a week from tonight, you are putting together an op-ed also regarding 2024. And uh, outlining some steps that could be taken if people really want a different candidate on the Republican side of the ticket other than the one who currently seems to be in front. Right. And the things that I'm going to be presenting also work on the Democrat side. If they really don't want Biden... There's alternatives for them too. Yeah, they they tend to work in lockstep. I you know. I know. It's just yeah. good good little automatrons over there. That's true. For next week, I am putting together. And by the way, folks, I have heard Diane's piece for next week. It's good. You you really want to pay attention to it. Um, next week, I have put together uh, a commentary regarding. The very first Christmas and and how the gospel truth, what we think of as the gospel truth, is very different from what is most likely the actual truth regarding that event. Yeah, and I've gotten a peek of that article, and let me tell you folks, it really should give you pause to think. You know, I know know I'm going to get raked over the coals by... The whole era of the now crowd. Nothing new about that. <laughs> no, nothing, nothing precedent setting there either. You know, um, but you know, it, it's one of those things. You know, you've got you've got facts and and evidence versus belief, and belief right. is the acceptance of a thing without evidence or proof. In other words, blind faith. Right, which. I never think serves anybody well for any reason at all. Mm-hmm. I agree. So that's what we got coming up next Tuesday. Of course, this Friday, it's news of the day, whatever's, whatever's cooking that day. Right. And when we do come back, we will have Muda Zakran as right. our special guest during the month of January. We don't know exactly which show yet, but he had... Uh, 
his voice was really gone. He was really sick, and he still doesn't sound like himself. There, there so, is, but there be is better by then. There is regular laryngitis, and then there's Mudar Zakran laryngitis, and he had the Mudar Zakran strain of it, yeah, whatever, whatever it, was it is. Not, uh, not interesting to hear that voice. No, no. Uh, you know, we we hope we you know we wish him the best. We we know he's on, on you know he's getting better, but right. he's just he not is. quite there yet. Um, right. You know, and we want him. We want him top flight. When, you know, when we have him on the show, Mudar is the secretary general of the Jordanian opposition coalition. Uh, he is a Palestinian who's pro-Israel, and he is going to bring to us, as only he can, a very unique and, and important perspective as to what's going on between Israel and Hamas and some of the other players from outside the region right. who are making life more difficult over there. Right. And to show how pro-Israel he is, some members of his family, his Palestinian family, are actually fighting with the IDF. Yeah. I mean, Mudar's been a long, long time friend of the show. He's a personal friend of both of ours. Right. Um, and, and he's a fascinating guy to have on the air. So we're looking forward yes. to that as soon as we can get him, as soon as he's feeling better. Absolutely. Well, Diane, with that, it's time for you and I to wrap this show up tonight. Okay. And with that, I say nighty-night. Folks, have yourselves a great rest of the week. We'll catch up with you again on Friday. Bye-bye.